Hi, I'm Simon Rushton and this is Taxi Chronicles podcast. On this podcast, we spontaneously interview unsuspecting passengers with their permission, allowing them to share their intimate life stories and concerns. As our slogan states, real riders, real stories. Some riders prefer to be anonymous, while others ask me to tell their story later on. Either way, there are all genuine 5 to 10 minutes stories. So sit back and enjoy this episode. Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another podcast. We have a lovely couple in the car, a lady who's blonde and petite, and a guy who's... uh, He's, he looks very intelligent, <laughs> let's put it that way. One worked in the energy sector, the other worked in shoes. And um, we're just going to talk about how they got into the industry, what motivates them to stay in the industry, and what's the future? What's it like? Or a typical day? So either one of you can go first. We've got 33 minutes. So, so I actually ended up in fashion by accident. Okay. Because I studied English literature. Uh, and then I was a bit lost afterwards. And then I always loved fashion. Uh, so I started applying for jobs. And um, I ended up meeting who somebody who now is my, the co-owner of the brand that I work for. And yeah, we make shoes. We've been making shoes since 2006. Uh, so it's a long established brand. We are based here and in Los Angeles. Uh, in Los Angeles? Yeah. Okay. And, but we, we sell globally. So we sell to Asia, we sell to Europe, we sell to the US. Um, so, yeah, it's still small. <laughs> it's very niche. It's not. Uh, we're very, very attached to it. It's almost like our baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never had massive like plans of doing things on like a mass commercial scale mm-hmm. because we love what we do and we love to do it at our pace. And uh, actually, post pandemic, definitely this has changed. Mm-hmm. more to the way that we like to work so so yeah this is basically what I do what's the process like in designing a shoe what do you take into consideration in designing shoes well you need to take in obviously the materials if you want to use really good materials you can forget about <laughs> making much profit okay. uh, but you know that you're gonna sell something very beautiful and really well made that is gonna have longevity and people can keep that pair of shoes for a very long time mm-hmm. without you know this is basically against fast fashion completely our concept okay. so it's making something that might cost a bit more, but it's going to last for longer. So it's quality and longevity. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, there's also other costs that you have to consider, like logistics and now Brexit as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. it's one of those things. 
What's a typical day like for you? At the moment, it's um, we are in sales campaign, so we basically sell to retailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're making like, uh, so we're basically arranging production for next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sometimes one of my colleague comes basically we meet to 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 discuss uh, planning because we also sell online on our own platform so there's a lot of marketing to to think about and and then in the evening that's when it gets more intense we have to basically speak to the office in LA Mm -hmm. and make sure that we all agree even though on opposite side of the world to take the same direction take the same you know like uh, the best decision for the brand despite having very complete different markets even though we're all like in the same circumstances right now with the pandemic so see that's that's what I find strange there because you've got different markets Mm -hmm. but you're trying to unify yeah but surely you would adapt for the different markets well, I think it's good to follow like uh, the consumer and what they want, but you also shouldn't forget about your core and your DNA and what you want to do. Because otherwise, you know, if you just sell anything that the consumer wants, then what's the, what's the point in having your own branding and having your own identity? So... There is still like like your identity as a brand still really needs to stay as the the main focus, mm-hmm. but then obviously you adapt to social, political, economical circumstances. Okay. Uh, what kind of circumstances? Obviously, COVID has affected you. What kind of everyday circumstances do you look out for in the shoe business that affect you? Well, there's, uh, I don't know, for example, manufacturing, like, um, there's, uh, it's very difficult. I mean, this almost has worked in our favor because one of the problems before it was that factories were, were getting super greedy and they wouldn't even touch a brand that couldn't do like a big production. So now instead factories are more open to to help and obviously get business in and so they're open to also like smaller production and well and better made. What changed? What made them change their mind? Because they were losing business. Oh is it? Yeah. Of course. I think COVID has wiped out a big number of fashion businesses for sure. Oh, what, the top end or, or the low end? Mm, top end, obviously, everybody had to restructure. I know, I mean, I'm, I'm from Milan, so obviously I have a lot of friends working for the fashion industry. And so many of them had to restructure and completely rethink the concept of the, the way they were making things mm. and, reset and sell them. So, so, yeah, for sure, there's a, a big change. Okay. post-covid for for the fashion industry which is good because we needed it i think fashion the fashion industry was getting 
too polluted and polluting. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it is one, I think it's the second most polluting after energy. <laughs> We are the we are the evil. Okay. So that would be the title. Find out. Listen to the two main polluters of the planet. <laughs> Polluting industry, we work for them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So moving moving on over to the lovely gentleman Bob. So Bob. What what's uh, tell us about your industry? How did you get into it? So, I got into the uh, energy industry um, because, yeah, I'm an engineer and I've been always uh, fascinated by both urban areas and um, and the change that we need to do in terms of, uh, yeah, climate emergency and uh, changing the way we produce energy which is yeah as you say one of the main polluters in in the world um, and yeah I've been working in in different countries so Germany Singapore I come from France now I'm, I'm in here in the UK and I, 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 I have seen very different ways of approaching this question of energy what do you think is the most sustainable energy source well, I don't think there is uh, an answer to that, but obviously uh, solar and wind are two energies that we will always get. I mean, as soon as the Earth will will be there, we will get some sun. <laughs> so it's definitely something that is uh, really sustainable on the long term. And it's also what basically us as human beings and the nature is is using as one of our main fuel mm -hmm. if if you will so uh, but on on beside that there there is no one solution to fit all or to solve any issues and we we've, we've seen with oil which was in the last century well two last centuries let's say uh, the unique solution for everything it was everything was based on oil mm. because it's very it has a very powerful energy uh, content so uh, we've tried to unify everything around oil and we mm. see now that it's not a, a good solution so there won't be one solution that will replace oil it was just going to be a mix of everything mm. and, and finding again some kind of balance which is very important. What do you feel, how do you feel about nuclear? Well, nuclear has, I mean, it has good side and bad side. Uh, obviously, when we are talking about carbon, carbon emissions, uh, which is, yeah, today the major challenge for climate, or one of the major challenge for climate, it's, uh, it's very low carbon. Mm -hmm. And we see that, like, in France, for example, where um, most of the energy is produced by nuclear. Uh, the the carbon content of energy of electricity, sorry, mm -hmm. is very low compared to many other countries in in Europe, and it leads to um, a positive impact through electrification of uses, mm -hmm. like how to produce heat or how to um, switch from 
fuel transport and to electrificated uh, transport. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a it's a very good way to decarbonize the energy. Mm. On the other hand, it's also something that produces waste, even if it doesn't produce a lot of waste, but it produces waste that lasts for mm. a little bit of time. So well, quite a lot of time. So. I think again that it's going to be it's a part of the solution mm. and for now it's it's really helping to decarbonize the electricity uh, but I feel that yeah major investment needs to be done in renewable energy in order to really change things um, beyond just nuclear mm. okay so the energy source the depends on the country for instance um, if you're in a very hot country you focus more on solar panels here I believe we're focusing more wind turbines do yeah. you feel that you like you do a town planning as a uh, ex-site manager I always said well we sh every house should naturally have um, solar panels on to help the natural grid and then bring down the consumption of things so that that electricity could just just be for lighting in your house do you see what i mean yeah do you well think that's something that is feasible is um well, i think that there, there are two aspects with with this so if you look at the building itself um the more you can produce on your building for your own use then well the better uh, if you look just at the scale of your building uh, but it's not feasible so for example like high-rise like this what, what we see uh, basically in, in town centers um, you're gonna put maybe some PV on the on the rooftop mm -hmm. if you can but you cannot put that everywhere but it's not gonna cover a lot of your needs uh, because you don't have a, a, a big surface of solar PV for all the surface the living surface of your buildings okay so it's always good it's uh, an additional um, production of uh, of renewable energy but it's it's not gonna solve the issue for energy in cities so because if you if you put pv panels on all the roofs you're gonna reach maybe i don't know 15 percent max or 20 percent max of the needs of electricity that you have for for your buildings mm. now what is important is actually to look at the higher level mm -hmm. because you mentioned national grid yeah um, and actually now it's not just about the amount of energy but when the energy is produced and consumed mm -hmm. because you need always to have a balance between what oh, you produce times. Oh, and you what you consume yep so if you put pv panels that will produce obviously around 12 noon <coughs> in the middle of the day and it's a, a residential building where nobody is at home during this time mm -hmm. then you're going to put that back on the grid and you're not going to use it yourself mm. and um, if you do that on on a large scale you can potentially create some imbalance and national grid is actually paying people or, or industries or even you and me if you have some assets for storage or renewables to 
consume or produce electricity at certain time of the day yeah. to create this balance. Mm -hmm. um, so now we are, we are we have shifted into just looking at the amount of energy into really when the energy is used and how to ensure that the impact on the infrastructure is the lowest as possible mm -hmm. or that everything we we build and we create that consumes energy is able a little bit to take part into the integration of renewables mm. because if there is a lot of wind in in scotland yeah and and it's it's a day where you don't consume a lot send that send that power down to south yeah and it's going to create this kind of imbalance which can actually lead sometimes mm -hmm. to a higher CO2 emissions because in order to 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 well shade this imbalance mm -hmm. you're going to turn on, turn on some uh, gas fired power plant or even coal fired power plants Mm. which obviously are not a good thing in terms of CO2. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. Well, so it's, yeah, it's a very complex, uh, <laughs> it's a very complex topic. And yeah, <laughs> not to much into the detail, but it's important uh, also to, to understand that it's, yeah, it's way beyond just saying that, okay, there is one solution that could solve everything. So it's, it's, it's an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And especially in urban areas, mm. it's really an ecosystem that needs to be treated as such and understood as such. What motivates you? Well, it's amazing. I mean, we both live, we all, the three of us live in, in, in cities, in, in a big city, and <coughs> we see how, how powerful these urban areas are. Um, in terms of attractions, in terms of how how we live, but also how it how it works. So how people move, how people live, and, and how the the quality of life of, of of people is impacted by that as well. So yeah, I've always been interested by urban areas, and and most of the population is going to live in urban areas by twenty. 50, well, actually 75% of, of the population is going to be living in, in cities, which is already more or less the case in, in European countries like like here for us. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's going to be a lot of challenges in, in Asia and in Africa and Southern America as well, mm -hmm. because we are going to see this transition, this transition and with all the challenges that, that you can find around that. Yeah. Okay. So, last question, and it goes out to the two of you. What's the impact you want to have on the world? Mm. I mean, that's a big question. I mean, of course, I think we're... I want to hope that I am trying my... I'm doing my best. I'm not having... I'm not being... Um, one of the most uh, or contributing to like a lot of pollution and to try and respect others and also people that will come after us 
I wouldn't say that I'm doing everything perfectly. I mean, it's I mean it's impossible to be 100% sustainable. I mean, especially if you live in a city, it's, it's just. Uh, but I, I think, yeah. I mean, I'm I don't pretend or to think that I would change the world, but I like to to think that I am giving a small contribution and not damaging it even more okay. but it's not easy it's not easy you come i know and i'm aware of it and i know it's a limit and i rather say to myself okay you can't actually uh do everything perfectly because it's not possible and and at least i don't feel frustrated you know but i'm still what motivates me is probably just okay let's try and do this the best as you can mm -hmm. okay and yourself bob yeah <laughs> i think it's uh, it's important to be to be positive in the sense that to have a, a positive impact for people around you and for the place where you are <laughs> and to help co-create positive living spaces mm -hmm. uh, for yeah, a, a more positive future. Okay, that's good. Well, thanks for that interview on the She's environment right. and the world. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope to hear from you again sometime. We hoped you liked that episode. Keeping in mind, we never know who we're going to interview. We post twice a day, 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. GMT. Have you ever considered the future economies to invest in? Why not listen to our sister podcast, Africa Investor Stories? Considering Africa has the fastest growing economies and population on Earth and has done for many years, it holds 30% of the world's known natural resources. We publish twice a week, Tuesday with a guest investor and Fridays talking about investment, politics and history, providing a clear understanding for any potential investor. <laughs>